podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the moment of the evening every K-State fan enjoys. Settle down and pour a whiskey, crack open a LaCroix. Please put your hands together and make a little noise for your favorite Wildcatters, the handsome Bosco boys. The boys are back, and it's another special guest. Again, I think this is maybe the fifth different guest we've had on in the last two weeks, because guess what? Kansas City Sports Talk is melting down about Tyreek Hill. They're talking about opening day, and yeah, John Kurtz and I might have had a uh, you know a heart-to-heart about Tyreek, but we're talking K-State hoops. You already heard me say his name. He was the longtime main man over at K-Man. Now he is still killing it on YouTube. And he's building a little bit of a monster himself with the Kansas City Sports Network, the man, the myth, the legend, the guy who wanted to call you all bonehounds, John Kurtz. John, I think this is the first time we've had you on since you've left the, uh, you know, daily grind of the radio and you're just a podcaster like me with a regular day job. How has the transition treated you? Yeah, well, I appreciate you uh, still having me on, even though I am just uh, just a regular guy anymore these days. Well, uh, also, it, it regular. Always... You're still a YouTube king, and you have your own podcast. Let's not call it quite regular. Well, okay, fair enough. But I, I will also just say you will always be bonehounds to me. Uh, always bonehounds. Yeah, no, man, things are things are going pretty well. Like I would say, I'm in a overall a much happier place in life than I was um I have been able to see on the other side of it I, I don't know how deep you're you wanting me to go and I, I I've been able to see on the other side of this like how many how many things were kind of holding me back while I was there in Manhattan it's just been a very good thing for the growth of my life uh personally to be here uh the day job has worked out as well as I could have asked for um and it allows me to live in the crossroads in downtown Kansas City which is obviously a very very cool spot to be so uh things are going really well uh, very appreciative of everybody who listens and supports the YouTube channel and the, the podcast and still give me a voice there and puts up with my BS on Twitter um, because all those things make me still feel like almost like I'm in the same spot that I was in Manhattan just with all the benefits of being in Kansas City. So uh, it has really worked out pretty well, really worked out well. Speaking of your Twitter, and again, at this point, every, everyone knows, you know, uh, you know, our guy Drone Tank is here. So no need to necessarily hash over the coaching search again. I, I think, you know, I have five whole episodes and then a handful of half episodes that have talked about it uh, up until this point. But K-State Twitter, at least, and message boards really as well, took this hire way better than I thought they were going to when it seemed like everyone was all in on Brad. Now, I, I think that a lot of folks saw the tea leaves before it really – came crashing down on Brad. And I think there was a, a real effort among some of the tastemakers on K-State Twitter to really turn the tide. And, and I don't think that's, I think that's probably doing Jerome Tang a little bit of a disservice, but I was surprised to see how quickly everyone got on board. What was your initial reaction when it started looking like, okay, it's going to be Tang. Did you think it was going to be this universally praised by K-State Twitter message boards and basically the, k-state online community 
Yeah, well, first of all, Scott, condolences to you. I know you're a big Andy Kennedy guy, so I'm sorry that K-State didn't get your <laughs> – Oh, my gosh. I So I, I, I melted down a little bit, like, when Andy <laughs> Kennedy started being brought up. Like, I, I mentioned it on the show, and then I, it was, like, with Fan – and uh, with, with DY, and I don't know if I if I talked with Cole about it at all. I, I feel like you're the only one who I didn't have like a text message going on with. But when Andy Kennedy's name kept like getting brought up, I'm like, stop, stop. That is not real. That is not real. Stop saying. It. And it kept being brought up. I was I was legitimately nervous there for like a hot second. Well, I mean, I guess I don't know how much I should say because it. I, I, everyone is so happy right now with the athletic department and how the search went, but if things had not worked out with Jerome Tang, that may well have been a conversation that we are having. And that, that is based on information that I, I obtained at one point during that process. Well, I shouldn't really, information that I obtained by having friends that are very good at attaining information. Like that, that's the thing. I, I don't, you know, I mean, I know some people were running to me for this. You were running to the right people. I mean, it's Cole and DY, like unbelievable how well connected those guys are. Like Cole Manbeck, I, I think, People do not realize that certainly case that on like the message, like do not give that man enough credit. He is as well-sourced as anybody on the beat and he's not even on the beat. Like, I, I mean, he is the one that I was going to calling to get information all the time. So put some respect on that man's name. First of all, anybody that's listening to this, I'm dead serious. I, he has the, he's, he's just very well connected. Let me say that from multiple angles. And so, that's how I was getting a lot of this information and the tie in there. I was actually, I can remember one of the phone calls that I had with the tide started turning in my head about Tang was where I'm sitting right now in, in this recliner where I'm talking to you. It was like, it was late. It was like 10 or 11 o'clock. One of those nights um, in the first week of the coaching search. And it was when we were finding out about like some of the, the demands Brad had, I believe it was when K-State took the real big boy offer to him and got turned down and that's after you know brad initiated i think most people are probably familiar brad initiated contact in case they met the initial number brad didn't like that at all so they come back to him with a real hey we're gonna pull up our big boy pants and give you this big offer and, and he had said no to that and so that must have been like thursday because i think that was the day before illinois played an attorney anyway i remember talking to cole on the phone and we were like going through all this and it was when we kind of started to realize like at this point like maybe K-State comes back with something else, but we started doing the math in our head and we're like, well, damn, if you save now the, the money that was coming in for the buyout and some of the money that was being raised for the salary, it's, it's not like that's just money that then like is committed and still exists. Right. But you also know, like these guys are willing to, if you, if you can convince them that you have the right candidate, like these guys are willing to pay and it's going to be much cheaper to get, a first time head coach in there, as we saw with the 2.1 million that they're paying him. So it was like, we started doing all this math, like, Hey, you cannot handicap yourself with this crazy long guaranteed deal. You can spend less money. You can bring in a guy who seems to be a candidate that they like almost as much anyway. And there's probably a higher upside. And I remember like, that's when we started really first talking through all this. And like, not that I was ever against Tang, um, I, I mean, again, Cole had that name right away when the search started as somebody that they were very interested in and were impressed with upon initial conversations. And so, like, I had been aware of him and I was certainly not against it. But that was when I think right around like Thursday of the coaching search where I really started to be like this. I think this is where this is going to be headed. And I actually can get behind this. And so then, yeah, you did. You did start to see some of us trying to lead the way on that. And I was I'm with you. I am. A, I am surprised not because 
not because Jerome Tang is not worthy of being very excited about. Clearly we're seeing that, especially what's happening with his staff, but it's just the mere fact that like, I mean, do Twitter can't agree on anything. Like, and I know people, it's very easy in our own world to be like, oh, K-State fans and K-State Twitter can't agree on anything. I mean, that's really just the world and fans in general. I mean, go follow the Message Board Geniuses uh, account on, on Twitter and just see, you know, what the hell people are talking about across the country. Like, fans are crazy and fans want to be angry and nobody can agree on anything. And, and as a fan base, we just went through a decade of, of infighting about Bruce Weber, right? And I mean, how long ago does the Bruce Weber era seem? That's what's crazy to me about all this. Like, it seems like two lifetimes ago almost. And that was, it was really like, what, three weeks ago, two and a half weeks ago that I was in Sprint Center for that last basketball game? So T-Mobile Center, sorry. Um, but you get the point. Like, nobody agrees on anything. So I am a little bit surprised that it's taken off like that. But he, here's the thing, man. Like, not only is he somebody that you can you can see how beloved – I think a couple things help. One, you can see how beloved he was from all corners of Baylor athletics, like anybody that had worked around him, all corners of the coaching world, all corners of national college basketball media, and you started to just, like, build this brick by brick by brick. And it was like, okay, wow, look at how respected this guy is among everybody. And then you start getting whispers about the staff. And, like, man, it just – it. it all of those things started to come together and I think really helped propel things here for K-State fans. And then you start to like see him talk, hear how excited he is, how much energy he has, the fact that he hits the right notes. I mean, he's really kind of the antithesis of Bruce in that way. Like at least so far in, in his press conferences and media appearances, he is somebody that is going to generate excitement as opposed to regardless. And I'm somebody that came around on Bruce really did. But regardless of how you feel about Bruce's accomplishments, I just there's no denying that he was not good in press conference situations. This was not good, was never going to help himself there. Um, and this seems to be the opposite with Tang. So it's like this combination of you saw all these people vouching for him from all over the coaching world. You heard about the connections he has and what he can pull in. And then you listen to him speak and see the energy, enthusiasm, excitement. And it's such a Again, all due respect to Bruce's accomplishments, it's such a freaking breath of fresh air after 10 years of Bruce Weber. It, it, it just is, regardless of how you feel about Bruce. And so I think, I think that really helped a, a bunch his cause. Yeah, and something that I think really, and, and I hope it stays this way, because I, I've seen this take a couple times on Twitter about how, oh, K-State basketball is back and all this type of stuff. And I, I've stopped myself from, typing out this tweet a few times because again i i don't want to fight with folks but yes the, the last three years have been really bad but you look at the accomplishments of k-state basketball you had bruce weber he did what he did two big 12 titles uh five 21 seasons five appearances in the uh ncaa plus the elite eight the i'm, I'm grouping bob and frank together but six 21 seasons four NCAA tournaments and elite eight. Yes. You had two very bad hires with Asbury and Woldridge. You had Dana Altman who then took off after he left K-State still got him to the tournament, but then you're not that far removed hires wise from long Kruger, Jack Hartman, uh, cotton fist Simmons, uh, Tex winner. Again, K-State basketball has always been around. It's been the exception for when we aren't. And I do think fans I'm glad they're excited. I, I, I really am super glad they're excited, but I do think they're kind of forgetting this uh, history and heritage. And I think d the reason is, is the Twitter demographic. Most of us were coming of age during Asbury, during Asbury and Woldridge. 
So I, I do think K-State fans, when, and I'm, I'm not trying to take away from the excitement, I do think we need to do a slightly better job of realizing that if you look at post-World War II collegiate athletics, it's, it, it's the abnormality when K-State isn't involved as a top 25 type program. And I've had to stop myself from writing that tweet a couple times because, again, I want the good times to keep rolling. I don't I don't want to you know, I don't want us all to turn on each other, you know, in March, you know, eight months out before the first game. But I do think that is something that because of the demographics on Twitter, k State folks just fail to realize. I think it's a good point. I mean, he actually you're making the same point that Bruce was making. Right. I mean, Bruce kind of said that on his way out the door, like the K-State. Now, he put it a little more, I think, on like the actual institution like needs to do a better job of promoting its history but um i don't think it's a terrible and i've said in timeout for for the record i agree with them because i've come on here quite a few times and it's not just with basketball it's with football and again football it's like okay yeah you don't have all these big wins but you have these individual players and these individual moments that the athletic department and the university don't celebrate so i agree full-throated with bruce about that point didn't mean to cut you off but that's something I've championed for quite a bit on the show. No, you're good. And I mean, I, I think it's fair. I, I think a part of the tough, the difficulty with that is that, y- yeah, you had such a gap where like a large swath of the fan base came up during, you know, like a 10 to 15 year period of just horrid basketball. And so if you're going to go back to like the late 80s, you know, maybe borderline early 90s for some of that success and start tracing it back, it's a little harder to pull highlights and, promotional material and some of that so like I get that it's a little it's a little bit more difficult to go down that road but we have seen them do that sometimes so fair point and and I think as far as the fans go I think you hit the nail on the head like Twitter even like fans that are going to be on a message board you're going to trend a little bit younger and it's a lot of people who like yeah can't really think back I mean hell I was born in 1989 I mean like I don't really have any good K-State basketball memories before I got into college um, I guess Huggins. Huggins was my senior year of high school. So, like, um, I, I'm in that same boat, too, where it's very easy to forget that. And the thing I, I, I just, you know, it's one of those K-State fan things, and this is where sometimes I try to be a little too cool for school, but this is kind of getting back to, like, the, the tuck in me. But, you know, I, I think of – there's a poster, I think, still on KSO. I don't remember if it was an old Goema poster. Who, but someone in their signature used to always have the – program history of k-state and kansas on the day that they played in the elite eight in 1988 and how strikingly similar the histories of those two programs were and then kansas wins the game and takes off like a rocket and k-state you know farts out 20 years of pretty bad basketball after that and so like that's the difference there but like that doesn't go away i mean that does still exist there and uh it's just i think the the problem too now is that you have college athletics changing. And so that I think is devalued the job in a lot of people's eyes. It's very easy to write off schools from uh, the, the irate eight, right. I think that plays into it too. Jeff Goodman had immediately ranked K-State last out of the job openings that were coming open this cycle. Like it just, you know, you're kind of caught back into that same place. It felt like where K-State was at the beginning of the, uh, the Bob Huggins era where like, no, that was such a shock because nobody thought you could pull a coach like that. So I'm with you, man, whatever we can do. I mean, I, I always hold this opinion about football too, where it's like, there's a, some people really like to fetishize how bad K-State football was pre Bill Snyder. And 
yes, it enhances Snyder's legacy in the story. And, and I'm not saying it's wrong that K-State was the worst program in college football history, but like, now maybe don't emphasize that. <laughs> like maybe talk about the things that have happened since, which are, you know, a very respectable college football program with some incredibly high highs. Um, so yeah, I think it's like a self-esteem thing for the, the fans and the fan base. And I think also just a lot of people have been kind of beaten down. You know I mean? Like the last three years have been rough. They've been really rough. It's been a tough watch. There's been no real excitement at all to speak of, and that's been reflected in the attendance. So it's very easy to like sink into some of the negative when, when that's what's been around you. And something I'm excited for, and we're, we're recording this Wednesday evening, the press conference is going to be Thursday at noon. And just to get my, the ad reads out real quick, ColorCast, we're going to be going live on ColorCast at 7 p.m. on Thursday because I want everyone to be able to take in and digest that opening press conference because I believe it's going to be amazing. So to all you Apple users, download ColorCast and join me at 7 p.m. And again, I tell you what, I bet you Jerome Tang takes athletic greens every single morning because that's the type of guy he is. Instead of taking a two or three multivitamins and some probiotics and all that, guess what? One scoop of the good green stuff, shake it up, drink it down. Even taste a little fruity. I promise it isn't going to taste like you're chewing on a piece of frozen kale. If you go to athleticgreens.com slash athletic or slash sports drink, excuse me, athleticgreens.com slash sports drink, you're going to get five free travel packets and a year supply of vitamin D droplets. Go there today. All right, there we go. Uh, the press conference is tomorrow. And I think it's going to be electric because Coach Tang knows how to tell a story. I, I took in every single piece of, uh, audio every single piece of video I could get on the guy once it started looking like that's where I was going the guy can tell a story he knows how to market himself and the program he is he's talking about he's already whipping out octagon of doom he's wearing lavender I think he's going to hit on that history that K-State has what are you looking for uh on Thursday uh I guess right at noon I believe uh, from that press conference, what what are some specific notes you hope to hear? Is there anything you don't want to hear from him? And then I, I would say you're probably like me and expect it to be, you know, an A minus to A uh, type of uh, press conference because that's how good he is in front of a mic. Yeah, look, I've been very impressed with him so far. So I don't really have any doubts that it's going to go over pretty well. Um, like really no doubt at all that it's going to go over pretty well. I think, you know, as far as like notes that I would like him to hit, I think the biggest thing, and I'm sure he'll hit it um, because he, he already kind of is. And he certainly all indications are by his staff is definitely hitting the right notes on like, Hey, we can go get players. It's like a no excuses attitude about recruiting to Manhattan. Um, it, it is a reality. Yeah. I, it is difficult to recruit to Manhattan. Like as much as people want to scream and say, Hey, we should never say that or admit it. Like, I mean, okay, but it's a reality like that. It is difficult. And Alvin Brooks, I thought gave some great insight to Kellis um, in the Casey star in his article where he was talking about the sheer number of like official visits when he got to Baylor or unofficial visits rather that they could have because of the proximity to, you know, Dallas and, and major Metro areas in Texas, you can just, you're just around more kids. You, you can't do that here at K-State. So he was talking about there's more pressure on official visits and like, so all that stuff exists. But I also think if you want to be successful, like really truly successful here, you can't buy into that. Like you can't let that be your mindset and you certainly can't publicly let that be your mindset. It's got to be like a no excuses thing with that. 
because we've seen it happen before. I mean, you know, like now Bob Huggins was a unique situation where he was doing that year with no coaching job where he could kind of recruit whoever he wanted. But like he came in and got Michael Beasley, Bill Walker, and was talking to OJ Mayo, Kevin Love, DeWan Blair. Like, I mean, it was ridiculous. And that was after he had the job. I mean, they knew where they were going to have to go. Manhattan, Kansas, like he found ways to do it. Jerome Tang is a guy that walked into the worst situation probably in power five slash six college basketball history that somebody took over when he first showed up at, at Baylor where, you know, they're mired in what was at the time, the biggest scandal really in college athletics history. And, and, you know, maybe you could still argue it's, it's right up there. Couldn't play an on-conference schedule. One of those years when they started, like, how are you getting dudes to Baylor? And within like five years, I mean, they had Tweedy Carter, Lace Darius Dunn and like the core of a team that took them to a regional final. So he, he knows how to recruit. And, and there's even been – I've seen a lot of talk. I know Scott Drew talked about uh, his time, Jerome Tang's time at Heritage Christian, which he turned into a powerhouse, and that was a place without big resources. Like, that was not a place that was supposed to be what it was, and he turned it into that just because of his work ethic, no excuses, personality, how personable he is, like all of those things. So, I mean, look, he's already pulled – an assistant coach off of Texas's freaking staff from Chris Beard, who was, you know, the go-to guy recruiting wise at Texas tech for what Beard built there, you know, was a stud recruiter uh, that already is showcasing to me, like a no excuses attitude. I mean, that, that is not anything I think any of us would have expected could actually happen. So that's really the biggest thing for the press conference, because I, I, I believe in him enough as a coach. Like I'm, you know, 19 years spent next to Scott Drew, my guy, by the way, Scott Drew, who I've been championing forever when all you losers out there were saying he sucked as a coach 10 years ago. I'll just roll the ball out there, guy. That's, that's one of my proudest longstanding takes. So learning from him, I'm sure he knows plenty um, as far as actually being a coach, but the, the biggest thing is just get the dudes, get the dudes, you know, I mean, Frank Martin, much as I love the guy, you kind of look at his career Yeah, did make the final four at South Carolina, but I mean, he made the tournament once out of the last 10 years at K state. I think it was a matter of, he got an assistant coaching staff and some help from Bob Huggins that could get dudes. And he's really just a marginals, probably too strong, but I think an average coach, I think he's an average coach. And if you supply him with Delonte 400 K and guys like that, uh, Michael Beasley, Jacob Pullen, you supply him with guys like that early on with the help of Bob Huggins he can be a great coach and he, he used that momentum and parlayed it and found the right guy in Delonte. So I think it's kind of the same thing here. Like I view this like, Hey, maybe Jerome Tang is a terrific X's and O's coach and will turn into that and just be a complete stud there. But I'm much more concerned with what's the caliber of talent that he can get in, like be, be an average coach and have dudes. That's really what I want. And so like, I, I would like that message to really be uh, conveyed there. I think the other thing you'll see in the press conference is just the fit at k-state and and it makes sense why if he had other power five interests um and even just other job interests over the years didn't take those it didn't work out like why this one made sense to him and why he would seek this one out obviously it's a big 12 job and we talked about the history and, and the fans and there are some really good things there too but you just think about the culture fit like you know he's a guy that um well one i mean i know this will resonate with some fans not everybody but very openly religious I think he's also just like he's very he strikes me as similar to Chris Kleiman, like the servant leadership kind of thing that he talks about, he, he, which I think resonates well with kids these days. But it also plays pretty well to, I think, this fan base like he's a pretty humble, um, inspirational, 
servant leader, like those kind of things, I think play really well with a Midwestern fan base, like what K-State has. So I think you will see a lot of that come out and be like, okay, yeah, I can certainly understand the fit here and why this worked. And by the way, that's still, that's a similar kind of, I, I know, like all the scandal and crazy bleep that's happened at, at I, I can cuss, right? Crazy shit that's happened at Baylor. Yep. Um, yep you can cuss. Okay. Um, you know, all that aside, when you think of like little Baptist Waco, Texas school, I mean, culturally that kind of fits there still too. Right. Like, so I think there are some parallels there, even though Baylor has allowed some really heinous stuff to happen uh, under their watch. So I think you'll see what it's worth since Scott drew and Jerome Tang came to town, 99.9% of that scandalous stuff has happened within the football program, not the basketball program. Just, just want to level set that. Correct. I just know Baylor's like a, a touchy subject and I totally get it with a lot of people with, with everything they've allowed to happen and what's going on. Um, but I think that that similarity and that fit will really stand out. And I think the other thing is you'll probably hear a no excuses attitude for recruiting and like, Hey, we're going to go get some guys and just a lot of emphasis on recruiting. And I think that will be great because I mean, let's be, I hate to keep harping on Bruce too much, but uh, much as I think at times he was undervalued as a recruiter, certainly he was a great evaluator. Um, and I hate the people that won't give him credit for like, oh, well, Dean Wade was just in Kansas and got lucky with Barry Brown. Like, no, I mean, he recruited those guys and went and landed them. There was also, I think Bruce was not the like, hey, in public statements, let me be no excuses guy on recruiting and we're going to get dudes. I think he kind of bought into the like, hey, it's hard to recruit here. And that comes all the way back to the beginning of this answer, which is you can't have that attitude. And I, I don't think that we're going to hear that from from Jerome Tang. You touched on it a few times and it, and it, isn't official on K-State's end in the fact that it hasn't been officially announced. It's not on the website or anything, but uh, all sorts of journalists on the K-State side and on the Texas side have all but said it's a done deal. Hell, it's a done deal. Yurik Malagy, who is the top recruiting assistant for Texas, he was the guy who got all the dudes you like to talk about uh, to beard at Texas Tech. I found a couple different lists that list him as high as the number five recruiter in all of college basketball amongst uh assistant coaches he was the guy who brought in both five stars to texas their current recruiting class they have signed letters of intent but you never know what might happen Uh, and that's really the headliner on the staff there's been some rumors about a couple other guys uh that i don't think it's been reported out and i'm not i'm I'm not gonna take the liberty to do that on this podcast by the time folks are listening I think probably the second assistant coach name is probably going to be out there, but uh, I, I don't need to break it on here. But let's talk about Yurik because, again, you look at what he's been able to do almost exclusively down Texas. Now, there's a little bit of a worry about him coming up north to Kansas, at least from me, um, but good recruiters, they get kids no matter where they are. But he was at SMU under Larry Brown. He spent some time completely off the beaten path, just working with a recruiting service. He was at Texas A&M. Then he went to Texas Tech where he started getting all these guys for Chris Beard. Again, Chris Beard, it doesn't turn into the coach he is without Yurik going out and getting those guys and helping him get to a national championship game. I don't think there's anything I can do to under to, to overstate how big of a get this is. And I, I, I'll be honest, I thought the best thing that the best assistant coach Tang could have gotten was maybe AB3 coming back to Manhattan or maybe getting Jurek, uh, 
yeah, I think Jerk, the other Baylor assistant. And this completely blew me out of the water when the rumors started happening. Now it's confirmed. Um, when you first caught wind of this, because again, it was being whispered about for about 48 hours now. When you first caught wind of it, what was your initial reaction? Now that it's basically a done deal, what's your reaction now? And what is what, what, is, what are these two guys? Because Tang was quite a recruiter for Baylor too. What do you think these two guys could do in the next, you know, three to five months but to get this roster ready to get us dancing this time next year? Yeah, well, I mean, I think the sky's the limit long term. Um, although, you know, I mean, like my what and I hate I shouldn't start with a downside of this. I mean, the one thing that I'll say about this is like you have the right idea by saying what can they do to turn around the roster next year? because you need to take advantage of every single second that you've got Yurik actually on your staff, <laughs> because I do not, he's nowhere more than like two or three years. That's yes. it. It's like two or I three mean, years max, and he's dips max. Yeah. Like he, he will be, he's so coveted. Like he will, I'm sure. And if they have the success that we're hoping and anticipating that they have, I'm sure he is going to be gone, but that's a statement, man. That's a mother bleeping statement to go out and get that guy. And like the reactions have been, fun to watch like anybody who has covered basketball in the state of texas like you just saw reactions pouring in from people there being like whoa <laughs> like because one i mean the the headline of you took an assistant coach from the texas staff resonates enough but two when you you do that and somebody like has that kind of reputation recruiting in the state of texas like people around there are all like wow like they understand the impact of that so it cannot be undersold even if he's only here for one year and helps you out next year. How important is that just to generate excitement to jumpstart the program? And again, for Tang, make a statement that like this K State man, we are not here to be small time and mess around. Like that's probably the overarching theme in all of this. I know you just hired a guy who's only being paid two point one mil, but like this is not small time. Nothing about this comes across small time. This is like we're gonna go play with the big boys and get dudes. I also have it on pretty good authority that like one of the one of the things that was really emphasized by Tang in taking this job is that he wants uh, like an NIL collective. He wants to, to make sure that that stuff is taken care of. And I don't think that you get a guy like Yurik without that, right? Because he knows how important that is. Um, so it also is just kind of a, I think a sign that the university in, is really committed to this, like committed to this financially. I mean, he was making 400 grand last year. So I'm sure he's going to get a rate. Like they're going to be paying. They will be paying for this guy. And that is great. Like how long have we been screaming about that for football and wanting more support staff and stuff? Like I, I just feel like he could really kind of be at the forefront of like a turning point for the athletic department as a whole, in terms of the commitment and trying to step up and do some of these things. Um, and that goes all the way back to even like how they were going to step up and offer Brad this ridiculous contract. So I just feel like this is kind of a tide turning moment and he is very emblematic of that. Um, now, as far as like realistic, I'm not expecting him to go out and land, you know, I'm not expecting the Michael Beasley, Bill Walker, uh, OJ Mayo, shout out to, to great coat, Gur coat, however we're pronouncing that um, from back in those days, the message boarding days, my favorite time to ever be a K-State message boarder back when K-State was connected to every high profile recruit in the 2007 recruiting class. I wouldn't expect that, but I look at this point, what, why would you shut the door on him bringing one of those kids from Texas with him? I, I thought there was no chance. I mean, K-State, say it out loud, K-State just landed potentially the number five recruiter in college basketball 
to come to their staff. Like I'm not putting anything beyond him. And we have seen Michael Beasley and Bill Walker come to Manhattan to play before. Like you can do it. Like we have literally seen it with our own two eyes. I think reasonable expectations, like if they can just up the talent level to grabbing a higher percentage of four-star prospects, like guys kind of like that, um, I would be thrilled. I think if even they're better at just like identifying fits, I certainly expect the bigs to be a lot better in part because that was Tang's specialty um, at Baylor was working with bigs and developing bigs. So I don't think it's going to be this just dearth of, you know, Levi Stockards and James Loves. Um, no offense to those two as the bigs. Um, I, I, I won't set like a real hard line expectation of like, I expect them to land this many five stars, this many four stars, whatever. But I think it's clear that they're going to be able to go out and make things happen because they have so many avenues. The transfer portal, that's another thing. Like Tang and Baylor, who's been better in the transfer portal than Baylor the last few years? So they work the portal. You've got this stud recruiter's got all these Texas connections. Uh, Tang has international connections. That's a big thing that he brings to the table too. So like there, there are just so many avenues that they can go get players to restock this roster next year. Um, I know that Pack is putting his name in the drafts, but it, it, it seems like barring an unexpected result there, like he, he would be back and not in the transfer portal. I mean, if you compare him with just a they go get another dude or two and you can kind of sprinkle in other guys in the rest of the roster, there's no reason why you can't be Iowa State. And Sweet 16 seems lofty, but it's not, it's not like Iowa State set the world on fire during the regular season, but they had a nice regular season, made the tournament, got some breaks, got a nice bracket, and look, now they're in the second weekend. No reason that that can't happen next year at, at K-State, I don't think, especially with what we're seeing by how the staff has started to be filled out. I know you didn't mention the other names. I won't mention other names too, but I don't think they're done in bringing in guys with a really stellar recruiting reputation in the state of Texas. No, I, I think that they really are going to try to hammer home uh, Texas because, again, that's where everyone knows the name Jerome Tang, and you know that's where everyone knows the name Yurik Malagy. And, again – Yurik was a guy who was being mentioned as a dark horse candidate for head coaching jobs as well. So I imagine he's going to get the associate head coach job. You hope to keep him for two to three years before he goes off and becomes a head coach himself. But again, with the type of investment we are seeing uh, put into this assistant coaching group, there's no reason to believe that when the time comes and Yurik goes off for his next job, that you don't go out and grab another elite recruiter and be paying him between that four and you know four fifty half a million dollars to be that associate head coach. So I'm looking forward to it. And again, I, I think K State fans, I think a lot of K State fans might owe Gene Taylor an apology because again, the guy I think has a lot of major balls, and I think it's going to pay off. I think it's going to pay off big time. So that's all I, I had. Oh, go ahead. One other thing I was going to throw in because I forgot about this. I think the other thing with, with Yurik is that what you are seeing, I think there's such a love and respect and admiration level for Jerome Tang out there within the coaching community that there is an extra willingness for candidates like that to go there because they want to ensure that he is successful. And that, that goes for not just the respect that they have for him as a guy, and as a, like as a man and somebody that they know and respect and the story, I mean, it's an unbelievable story where he's like, make it, he was, I was just reading the other day, CJ Moore had a great article in the athletic. He was making like 17 grand when Scott drew called him at heritage Christian to come. I mean, it's just a, an incredible story. I think people really want to see him succeed. And I think another part of that is, I mean, look, 
K-State has not had a whole lot of black coaches rolling through, right? And, and there is certainly a problem with not having enough in the sports world. I think there will be coaches that want to help prop up Jerome Tang and help him be successful because of the importance of that. And sometimes that can be a tricky territory to navigate and talk about, but I think that's a real thing. And I think that can help here that he is such a widely respected candidate there. And that there is an extra emphasis on like, Hey, when these guys get head coaching jobs, we need to make sure that they're successful. And I think that will make guys more willing to go to places like Manhattan, Kansas with a Jerome Tang. And I think that is another part of the brilliance of, of the hire at play here. Yeah. I, and I think Gene has very big balls. Yes. Gene has very big balls. The offer that that guy put on the table for Brad Underwood. Like I just, yeah. And, and the amount of people, I mean, good God, former radio hosts in Kansas city going out here saying that Gene screwed it up and was going to screw it up. Get the hell out of here, man. Like, no, this was handled very, very well outside of maybe candidate number three, this was handled extremely well. And yes, I think people should be very, very happy with how that happened from their athletic director and, and maybe send a, you know, send a nice Bud Light with a, with a, with a Scott, Scott Wildcats, uh, you know, Christmas card note, just send it all in one package to him. And I'm sure he would uh, forgive you for all your crappy takes on Twitter. Yeah. Well, and, and for what it's worth, I don't think Andy Kennedy came into this as the number three, I think, I think Grant McCaslin definitely was going to be involved, but I think it became evident that he got a wink, wink from SMU that, Hey, this is going to open up. Don't worry about the stress of some other jobs. I think there are a couple of guys who came off the board in between us opening up the job and when it was time to sign Tang. So I, I, I refuse to believe Andy was the number three candidate all the way through. I don't think he was. Um, here, here's the, the, the kind of final thing we're, we're going to end it. Um, I, I, I played this game a little bit with Jimmy yesterday. So I, I just want you to tell me yes or no, if you think this word or phrase will be brought up uh, in his press conference. Do you think he says the word lavender tomorrow? I don't know that he's going to say it, but I think there's a good chance he'll be wearing it um, if if today was any indication. I will say no. I don't think he actually audibly says the word. Tough break today, but the, the, the anti-lavender. I'm not even going to say crowd. It seems like one guy. T- tough break for him to have Tang's whole family wearing it today. Well, that and, you know, Van Malone, all the football coaches are starting to wear it too. So, I mean – you know, I don't think there's going to be any uniform changes this year, but I think whenever the time comes in football, I don't think it's going to be a full lavender uniform, but I think you might see a white concept with lavender accents in football. And honestly, I think you're going to see lavender across basically the entire athletic department is like a tertiary color. So if you don't like lavender, uh, I'd get over it pretty quick. Well, you know, Scott, of course, as the old fight song goes, glory into combat for the various shades of purple and white. <laughs> Very true. Uh, will he mention the name Bruce Weber tomorrow? Ooh, man. That's a good one. Mm. It does, does a coach Weber count? Yes. Like it, it, any like Weber, Bruce Weber, coach Weber, any of that will count. Okay. I'm going to say there will be one in there at some point. Like, you know, I know that coach Weber proved you can have success here or like coach Weber did a great job. He left me, a program in good hands, like something to that effect. I would bet that there will be something in there. Yes. Okay. Does the name Jacob Poland get mentioned? 
tough one because he's he obviously he coached against Poland, so he knows that that's a that's. I'm gonna say no, but I'm hesitant on that one because he he definitely knows all about Poland. All right, what about Ernie Barrett? And if he pronounces it Barnett, it does not count. For for Bruce, man, I brought that up on our pod the other day. I was like, look, that guy walked into a hornet's nest that was no fault of his own, and it's a mistake that anybody could make when you're just whirlwind coaching higher coming in or whatever. But that was not a great omen or like him, you know, as far as what his relationship was going to be like with the fans, the Ernie Barnett thing. I will never forget that. Because um, I bet Ernie Barrett's going to be there. He probably is. Oh, I'm, I mean, I'm sure he'll be there. I, I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no on the Ernie Barrett reference. I'm going to say right. no. And then the, 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 there's two more, and these are over under, over under one and a half mentions of Octagon of Doom. Oh, God, over. I think that'll be over easily. Yes. Easy. Okay, okay. And then over under 12 and a half minutes from the end of his press conference to a picture on the internet of him and Willie Wildcat. Hmm. Uh, it has to be is, a picture so that like the video where he walked by and willie was in the two willie was in the two tones today to go to go greet him but no it has to be a physical picture of coach and willie no knock against k-state social team at all i'm gonna say no but just because i think they will have so much content like coming out that it would be easy for that to get like lost in the shuffle so I, I will say no on that one. All right. Well, that's going to end it. I always let you plug what you're working on, but I got to say, you know, I, I might do this plug for you. It seems like there's been a bit of an evolution that I, I've enjoyed seeing of your podcast feed over at KCSN. Do you have two new frequent co-hosts with you? Are you still doing your thing with Aaron Lockett? What do we, what are we going to see in the future for your show over with Kansas City Sports uh, Network? Yeah, so we're still we're still working on some of the like final details of that, but yeah, I, sorry, sorry, that's my. Bad. Oh no 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 no, you're fine, you're fine. No, it's not. I don't think it's anything I can't talk about. I mean, Cole and Derek are definitely going to be a part of this um, moving forward. Um, so I think basically what you're going to wind up with is us three doing a once a week show, and then during football season, Aaron and I will do a once a week like football specific show, so that you can get um his analysis on what's going on with football and he's also by the way very involved in um nil stuff behind the scenes at k-state um so like he's a sneaky that's a sneaky good person to know right now uh in the world of k-state athletics with the work that uh, that he's doing also just killing it with his his agency that he has right now so i think that's going to be the plan but i'm i'm really excited to do it with Derek and cole like obviously we've done power cat game day together um but i think being able to have this a little more widely accessible to fans is going to be awesome. And I mean, I just respect the hell out of both of those guys. Obviously they're both really close friends of mine too, but um, just the work ethic, how connected they are. um, I think it will be great. I'm very excited for the potential of that. So yeah, we're, and even beyond that, I mean, I I think there are going to be some other um, K-State specific shows that come out on KCSN within the next year that are in the works too. Uh, with some names I probably should not drop those names yet but I think you'll fans you you will enjoy those as well so we, we've got some big things coming there um, and then yeah obviously YouTube uh, just John Kurtz on YouTube it's been a little more quiet on YouTube because so much of that was driven by football um, I'm still talking some basketball right now I've just been doing a once a week uh, live chat there too 
but I'm sure once we get kind of past the coaching search and we're, we're hitting the off season and like more football headlines start coming up, I'll probably lean into that a little bit more, but that's, it's going to be more big 12 specific content on the YouTube channel, but definitely encourage you to check that out. And then obviously uh, follow me on Twitter at JL Kurtz. You can see me uh, troll Illinois fans probably for the next like six months because I, it, you know, they're just like, they're like cockroaches right now. I mean, like they, they invaded and then you try and get them all out and you think you have them all out, but then you're like looking for something in the kitchen and kitchen and out scurry a couple that you have to go stomp on. So like um, I think they're going to be around for a while, unfortunately. Well, I love it folks. Make sure to uh, check that stuff out. Uh, again, that's all we have today. We will have a show tomorrow where I will give my reaction to coaches, uh, press conference and then again i have a few things lined up for next week are we going to go three weeks in a row with a show every single weekday i can't i'm not going to promise that yet but i know we're going to have at least three next week so it's going to be a fun time we love you guys uh again tune in 7 p.m color cast we're going to go live we're going to get everyone's reaction to the press conference go to athletegreens.com slash sports drink and again we love you guys here at bosco's voice and i promise no matter what is happening in the world Grant is going to be waiting for you guys at the cat head. Hail to the purple, hail to the white, wildcat in spirit, wildcat in fight. Hail alma mater from sea to sea.
Social Podcast Network.